Well, welcome to FBC. So glad to have each and every one of you here. I am the campus pastor here. I'm not the senior pastor. Senior pastor is over here to my right. It's good to have you back. Um, we started uh, a sermon series nine weeks ago. All right. This is the ninth week of this series. It's called Saul of Tarsus. And uh, when the pastor began this series, what he really wanted us to see was Paul's call into the ministry into preaching the gospel, into representing Christ in the world. And kind of the overarching teaching for this entire sermon series is this, that the story of Jesus is the most important story in the world. And how his story impacts your story is the most important story in your world. That's where we started nine weeks ago. And now we've looked now for nine different weeks at how the story of Jesus impacted Paul's story and how Paul's story then changes and revolutionizes the world. It's because of the story of Jesus coming into Paul's story that Paul at the end of Acts finds himself arrested really for something that he didn't do. He was arrested uh, by the Jews because they wanted him dead. What, he, what they said that he did was that he was going to bring a Gentile into the temple. He hadn't done it, but that's what they were accusing him of. I want to just kind of set the record straight. What he was doing was, was much more detrimental to the Jewish faith. If you were a Jew uh, back then, what he was saying was, no, 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 Gentiles and Jews are on the same playing field. Gentiles, those people who aren't Jewish and Jews can both be the children of God. For a Jew, that was impossible to hear. And they were angry with him for doing it. So he's arrested and he's on his way to prison in Rome, but he has a few stops before he gets there. And one of those stops is uh, with this man named Festus, the governor of Judea. He meets with Festus. Festus has no idea what to do with Paul. And so he calls in King Agrippa, who's kind of the king of the, the area of, the, of Israel. And uh, he calls him in, and, and his sister is with him, Bernice. And uh, Paul is there, and he has to give a defense before all of these people, the most powerful people in that area, for sure. And they're Romans. And so Paul finds himself giving a te his testimony, really, in front of these people. Now, uh, it doesn't seem too significant to you and me, but if you knew anything uh, about Paul and about his history and about really the history of Christianity, you would know that uh, Agrippa II, who Paul is testifying before, uh, comes from a long line of Jesus haters and Christian killers. All right? The pastor shared this the very first week uh, that Agrippa II's father, all right, if you just go back one generation, killed the Apostle James, almost killed the Apostle Peter. His father, all right, beheaded John the Baptist, and Jesus appeared before him. His father was Herod the Great, the one that heard that a king was to be born in Bethlehem. The one who said, if there's a king that's going to be born, they won't be better than me. So he ordered a decree that everyone two and under was killed. Every male two and under was killed under his reign. Jesus escapes with Mary and Joseph to Egypt. He avoids uh, that. But this is the family that Paul is before now. He's before the great-grandson 
of Herod the Great. Stakes are high. Paul has a lot to say. As Paul is giving this testimony, as he's giving his defense to these people, his defense kind of turns into preaching. It's a beautiful transition. He's just telling the story of what Jesus has done and how that's impacted his story, and it just becomes a sermon. And we see that Paul, who's an excellent preacher, is preaching not only to Festus, but he's singling out the king in the text that we're going to be in today, because Paul was a preacher. And that's our sermon title today, Saul of Tarsus, Preacher. And he was a preacher. So I want to kind of get into that text and tell you exactly what happens at, uh, at, at this meeting where Paul is giving a defense of himself. Acts 26, 24 through 30. As Paul was saying all of these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Do you know no one has ever said that to me? I don't know, I don't know why. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, Paul said, I, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king, King Agrippa, who's right there in the room, the king knows about these things that I'm telling you about, about Jesus and about my story, and to him I'm speaking, and I'm speaking boldly, because I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped the king's notice. He knows what I'm talking about. He's heard about these things. These things haven't been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Now, uh, Paul had some insider information that Agrippa did have faith in the Jewish God. So now he's appealing to, to Agrippa's faith. Do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe, says Paul. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me? To be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might be just like I am. Except for these chains. I don't want you to be in chains, but I do want you to be Christians. I want you to know the story of Jesus, and I want that story to collide with your story so that you become someone that has faith. You become a Jesus follower just like me, but I don't want what has happened to me to happen to you. I don't want you to be arrested. Paul is just preaching, and he's pointing the finger at Agrippa, preaching directly to him. What does that word preach mean? We're going to and actually encounter that word in uh, the text that we're going to be in later. The word preach is a very important word in scripture. What it means is to proclaim a message persuasively and publicly. Paul was a preacher. Paul had a message and he proclaimed that message and he proclaimed that message in public. And every time he proclaimed that message, it was a persuasive message. Did you hear what Agrippa said? In a short time, are you, you going to persuade me? Absolutely. That is exactly what Paul wanted to do because Paul was a preacher and preachers preach. Paul wanted the story of Jesus to collide with everyone else's story through preaching. Paul knew 
that his time on this earth spent preaching, what he has seen is that that's the way to get Jesus's story to collide with everyone else's story. And that's what he wanted for Agrippa. That's what he wanted for Festus, for Bernice, for everyone that was there. He wanted every one of them through preaching to be introduced to the story of Jesus. Now we've obviously looked uh, for nine weeks at different uh, areas of Paul's life and his ministry. Uh, The past couple of weeks, we were in a couple of the letters that Paul wrote from prison. That was during his first imprisonment. That would result in from this story that we're, we're in right now. He would go to prison for two years. It was more like a house arrest, but he was not free in any sense. It was still prison. It was still not good. And he wrote letters from, those, uh, from that prison. Uh, and we've, we've gone over some of those. He talked about salvation by grace. You are saved through faith. That's what we looked at last week. But it's in his second Roman imprisonment that we find Paul in our text today. Now, the second Roman imprisonment, we're not exactly sure all the circumstances that got him there. We know it was Jesus. We know it was, he was preaching Jesus. Somebody somehow brought some charge against him, and that's why he was in prison. We don't know the exact circumstance. We don't know how long he was in prison. We just know that he was in prison. He was in the other one for two years. He's, he's in this one. We're not exactly sure how long. This prison is a lot different. Paul finds himself in a jail cell. Paul finds himself with a need of clothing because he can't stay warm at night. And it's here where he's waiting for his death. He knows that he is going to be found guilty and he knows that he is going to be killed for his faith. And it's there where he writes his last letter, a letter to one of his dear friends, somebody that he's mentored. His name was Timothy. Now, Paul met Timothy earlier on his second missionary journey. Uh, and on the second missionary journey, Paul kind of starts out uh, solo, but he gets to this place called Lystra. And in Lystra, uh, he meets Timothy. But even before he gets there, he hears about this man named Timothy. He never hears anything bad about him, just that he's just an amazing guy. Nobody has anything bad to say about Timothy. And then he comes to meet Timothy, and he finds out that Timothy has a Greek father. He has a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother, and his his mother and his grandmother raised him actually to know Jesus. And so Timothy, this young man, has faith in Jesus. Jewish background, but faith in Christ. And Paul is just impressed. And he says, Timothy, I want to take you with me. Now, he didn't call it his second missionary journey, but that's what it was. I want you to come to all the places that I'm going to go and share Jesus with me. I want you right alongside me. And Timothy's like, yes, I can't believe you want me to go with you. I'll go, I'll go. And then Paul says, okay, but we need, you have to be circumcised to go with me. And Timothy was like, oh, wow, I don't know if I want to go now. Um, why don't you just go? No, he does end up going. And I can see the conversation that happens on the road to all the different places they're going. All right, Paul, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to go to all these places. We're going to share Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we are. That's exactly what we're going to do, Timothy. And uh, I have this letter from the apostles. And this letter from them, uh, they got together and we, we all decided that you don't have to become Jewish to follow Jesus. And I'm taking this letter from the apostles to all of these churches that I started the first time around. And I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them, hey, guys, guess what? 
You don't have to become a Jew to follow Jesus. You can follow Jesus right where you are. You don't even need to be circumcised. And Timothy's like, wait, hold, hold on. Wait just a second. That's the letter we're taking. Okay, all right. There's reasons for it. We're not gonna get into all of it. Paul loved Timothy. He was his spiritual son. He calls him his son. Actually, some of the letters that we have from Paul have Timothy also in that kind of authorship. He was there when Paul was writing these things and because he was there, this was from him as well. It's beautiful how much Paul loved Timothy. And the text that we're gonna be in Uh, It really reminds me of something that I asked the pastor several years ago. I'd guess somewhere around two years ago. I said, Pastor, if, uh, if I were to become a senior pastor tomorrow, what would your advice to me today be? And I mean, he could have said a whole bunch of things. Uh, You need to uh, wash my car better. You need to do this better. He could have said any of that. But you know what he told me? He said, master your craft. If you're called to be a senior pastor somewhere, you're called to preach. And preaching is your craft. And you have to be the best possible preacher that you can possibly be. And the text that we're looking at today, that's exactly the heart behind what Paul writes to Timothy from that cold, dark jail cell. Because Paul knew that if Timothy would preach, he could bring the story of Jesus into the story of others. Paul knew the importance of preaching. By the time he writes Timothy, we can assume that he's been preaching for over 30 years. He knows how to preach, but he also knows that he's not going to be the one sharing Jesus's story anymore because soon he'll be dead. He'll be killed for preaching Jesus's story. He knows that he's not going to be sharing his own story anymore, but he knows that someone has to do what he's been doing. And he picks Timothy. And he says, this is what I want you to do. He has an amazing strategy in doing this. It's probably something that you've done in your life. You tell somebody to do something, then you tell them how to do it, and then you tell them how not to do it, and then you might throw in a couple tips uh, after. Now, uh, when I was in Argentina, I, we had to do this kind of thing a lot. Uh, we, we would have these mission uh, teams come from the United States, maybe 10 to 15 people, and we would host them in a new country. They'd never been there before or anything. And uh, we'd have to orient them on what goes on in Argentina. There's a lot of things that you need to know here, uh, like, like men kiss men, and that's a normal thing here, and it's okay, and guys are going to kiss you, and it's going to feel weird to you, but it's normal to them. And uh, we, there's just so many things that we had uh, to teach them. Now, one of the things that we had to teach is that uh, during your time in Argentina, no matter what, you are going to be uh, offered some mate. Now, mate is a loose leaf tea, and this is called a mate. It's the gourd that you drink the tea in. This is the loose leaf tea. Uh, a lot of you might think that doesn't look like loose leaf tea, but it is. It is. It's hard to get through the airport, but it's still loose leaf tea. So if you put the loose leaf tea in here, you have a metal straw and the metal straw has a filter on it and, the fi- and that filters out uh, the tea leaves from getting in your mouth. And so you put water in it and it brews and everything like that. So we say, you are going to drink mate. That's, you're gonna have to get used to that. Here's how you do it. When somebody hands it to you, you take it and you drink it. 
all right? So that's what you do. And when you're done, you give it back to them. And you don't say thank you. That's something that you don't do. But that's how you basically drink mate, all right? Here's some things that you don't do when you uh, drink mate. When Americans drink mate for the first time, they will uh, inevitably grab this straw and just start moving it around. Well, that gets all those tea leaves into the straw, and then it gets in your mouth, so you don't do that. And you also don't say thank you when you hand it back to the person that gave it to you, because that means you're finished, all right? So you need to wait until this goes around a few times. Now, Americans don't like sharing the straw. They just don't. One of the other things you don't do is wipe off that straw when you get it. Uh, but that's, that's how it is. That's how not to drink mate. And a couple tips that we usually gave people in drinking mate was you're going to want to drink it with sugar and you're going to want to drink it as quickly as you can because the longer that that it sits, the more it brews. And the more that it brews, it just gets stronger and stronger and it gets bitter. Sometimes they hand it to you piping hot. And you're like, I need to drink this quick. So I either burn my tongue and my throat as it goes down, or I just wait, and it's just going to get so, so uh, concentrated. So that is kind of how we would tell people uh, to drink mate in Argentina. Paul is going to use that same strategy here with Timothy. He's going to say, I'm going to tell you to do something. I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to tell you how not to do it. And then I'm going to give you a couple tips so that you can do this the best that you can. Let's get to the text. We see first that Paul called Timothy to preach. The master preacher, Paul, who's been preaching for over 30 years, calls someone else now to preach. He had been called to preach by Jesus Christ himself, and now it's time for him to call someone else to take that baton and to preach because he wouldn't be the one preaching anymore. And he says, I charge you. That word charge is the word to urge or even to warn. Like if you warn somebody but of, of something they need to do that's good because you know that if they don't do that, it's going to be bad. That's what this means. I urge you in the presence of God. I'm urging you. I'm warning you. You have to do what I'm about to tell you to do. That same uh, word, urge or, or warn, uh, it's exactly what the pastor told our student pastor when he started working here. He said, do not get into any vehicle with Joe Andrews. He hurts youth pastors. Don't do it. <clears throat> Paul says, listen, you, you, need, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. I'm urging you to do this. And have you ever heard of somebody say, as God is my witness? That's what Paul says, except he takes it to a whole nother level. He says, I'm charging you in the presence of God. God is my witness and Christ Jesus, he's my witness. He's the judge of the living and the dead. And I'm charging you by Jesus Christ's appearing and I'm charging you by Jesus Christ's kingdom. As those four are my witnesses, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. What is he telling him to do? He says, preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. It's the most important Job on earth, you have to preach the word. You are going to be taking the words of God and communicating them to men. And you have to do it, and you have to do it right. When he says the word, he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures, but he's also talking about the word who became flesh. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about the gospel, his sinless life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He's saying, Timothy, preach. The word. Now we're going to look at what Paul said to Timothy. Paul told Timothy how 
to preach. He didn't just say preach, he told him how to preach. This master teacher knew how to preach. He had been doing it for so very long. This is what he says to Timothy. Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Timothy had to be ready at all times to preach. In season and out of season, that doesn't really make sense to how we think. Here, here's what it means. Be ready to preach when conditions are favorable. When the whole world seems to be happy and ready to accept things about Jesus, be ready to preach. But then when conditions seem unfavorable, when the whole world seems to be against you, as it was when Paul was writing, right? He's in prison because of Jesus' story. He says, be ready to preach even then. What else is Timothy supposed to do in his preaching? He's supposed to reprove. He's supposed to preach messages that convict people. Messages that will make people say, I am not in the right spot right now. I feel convicted of my sin. He's supposed to do that. That's how he's supposed to preach. Here's another way he's supposed to re re uh, preach. He is to rebuke in his preaching. What is rebuke? Well, that's exactly when I heard that the pastor said that to Stephen, our student pastor, I rebuked him. I was like, whoa, hold on, man. Rebuking is calling someone out for what they've done. That's how Timothy is to preach. You know why? Because that's how Paul preached. And he says, you also need to exhort. That means encourage. Timothy, in your preaching, you have to encourage people. Some of them are gonna be beaten down and they're gonna be ready to give up. You have to encourage them. Get up, let's go. Some of them are gonna be doing all right and you still need to encourage them along the journey. But in your preaching, you have to be ready. You have to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And you have to do all that with patience and teaching. You know why? Because Paul knew. Based on previous knowledge, he knew what it took to preach. He knew it was gonna be patience that Timothy needed. Then Paul told Timothy how not to preach. This great preacher, Paul, his years of experience, he knows the dangers for preachers and he doesn't want Timothy to fall into those dangers. And the danger for Timothy, Paul knew it because it was a danger for him was easy preaching, soft preaching. And Paul says, don't, don't do that. Don't be a soft preacher. Let's go to the text. For the time is coming, Timothy, when people aren't going to endure sound teaching, but they're gonna have itching ears and they're gonna accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Timothy, listen, here's what's gonna happen. They're not gonna wanna hear you. Sometimes, And you know what they're going to do? Because they don't want to hear you, they're going to go get other people that they do want to hear. Because when you speak the truth to them and they don't want to hear it, it's going to hurt them. And they're going to say, I don't like being hurt. So what I'll do is I'll get a whole bunch of people around me that says what I'm doing is okay, even though it's not in agreement with the truth. Is this not moral relativism? Is this not the culture that we're living in right this second? Where society says, don't tell me what's good or bad. I'll be the judge and I'll surround myself with a whole bunch of people that are on my side of this issue. And even though it's not truth, they're going to tell me that I'm okay, that I'm okay and what I'm doing is all right. And I'm not gonna let the truth hurt me. Paul says, that's a slippery slope. You can't fall into this trap of easy preaching. 
These people are going to turn away from listening to the truth and they're going to wander into myths, things that they make up on their own or things that just aren't true. If I know one thing about our church is that we will never fall into that trap. We're never going to fall into the trap of easy preaching and just tell you exactly what you want to hear instead of what you maybe need to hear. As long as I'm here, as long as the pastor is here, as long as Stephen, the student pastor, is here, as long as Brian and Mike and Troy and everyone on staff are here, I can promise you we're never going to go soft as we preach the word of God because this is truth. If this is a lie, why am I going to stoop down to the lie and tell you just what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear? Sometimes we just need to hear that what we're doing is just flat wrong. Then Paul is going to give Timothy a couple tips. Paul told Timothy how to live. It's kind of his final tips to Timothy about preaching. Because Paul knows, because he's been preaching for so long, he knows that there's a connection between the preacher and his message and the way that that preacher lives. He knows that there's a connection there. And so he's going to tell Timothy, here's how you preach. I'm going to give you a couple extra tips. Here's the extra tips. This is verse five. As for you, always be sober-minded. Always be clear-headed. Sober-minded has this idea of of having restraint. Be sober-minded in everything that you do. Then he says, endure suffering. Paul had endured suffering. He knew that Timothy being mentored by Paul, was going to have some suffering in his life. He says, endure it. It's coming. Do the work of an evangelist. Be someone who shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Share about his birth, his sinless life, his atoning death on the cross that was a substitution for yours, and then share about how he resurrected. That's what you need to do. Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. Fulfill your ministry. Whatever it is that God has for you to do, Timothy, that's exactly what you need to do. Fulfill it. If that doesn't remind you of something else that Paul says in the later verses, let me just remind you. This is what it says. It's not going to pop up here. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, he says. I'm, I'm about to die. The time of my departure, the time of my death has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says... Fulfill your ministry, Timothy. I've done it. I want you to do it as well. So there we have it. Paul, this amazing preacher, calls Timothy to preach, tells him how to preach, tells him how not to preach, and gives him a couple little tips on the backside so that he could be the best preacher that he could be. So how does Paul's story and Timothy's story impacted by Jesus' story, impact your story. There's a few things that I think you and I could glean from this passage. And they're really important. And some of them are going to sound like reproof. Some of them are going to sound like rebuke. And some of them are going to sound like encouragement. But here's the first one. Jesus' story needs to collide with yours. Some of you haven't followed Christ. You haven't let his story impact your story. Jesus' story needs to impact your story. And if that's you, for whatever reason you're resisting, today is the day to resist no longer. Give your life to Christ in faith 
believe in what he has done for you, that he died on the cross for your sins. Here's the second thing. You need to bring Jesus' story into others' stories by preaching. Now, you're probably not called to preach exactly like Timothy and Paul were, or like myself, or like the pastor. You're probably not called to get up on stage and preach to a large crowd, but you are called to preach the gospel, to proclaim a message to people, to persuade them to come to Jesus. I wonder if you're doing it. I know there's people in this room who are followers of Jesus. If you want a little rebuke, that don't share Jesus. Shame on us for not sharing Jesus when we have not only the opportunity, but the command to share Jesus wherever we go. Now for a little encouragement, you need to know that the story you carry will either be validated or discredited by the life you live. It's what Paul told Timothy. You're carrying the message of God to people. Your life better match up. And if it doesn't, nobody's gonna listen to you. If you say, do this, and you're doing another thing that doesn't add up, nobody's gonna listen to your message, Timothy. I wonder how many of us claim to carry that message with us. We're Christians. We love Jesus with our whole hearts. We even tell people about Jesus. But then those people look in at our lives and our lives are so messed up because of the personal sin that we have in our lives where that person is like, I never want to follow Jesus. That guy follows Jesus. And have you seen the life that he lives? Timothy had to know that his message was connected to his life. That's all of Paul's advice to Timothy, but also some advice for us as well. I don't know where you are in your life, what you need to do to respond to this message. Maybe it's you need to follow Christ. You need to let his story impact your story. You need to give your life to him. You, you can do that in just a moment when the song plays. We'll have pastors up here. You can tell us that that's what you wanna do. Or maybe you just need to Preach Jesus wherever you go. If you don't want to call it preach, call it sharing Jesus or talking about Jesus with people. It doesn't matter the terminology that you use, you just need to do it. Maybe you're feeling convicted, God, I need to do this because I love you and you've called me to. Or maybe, maybe you're someone that needs to change how you live because it's not matching up with what you believe. Maybe you just want to join the church. Maybe you just need prayer for something related to this or not. In a moment during this response time, you can come up here and you could let any one of us know what you need to do in response to God's word. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for his message. We thank you for the great preacher that he was because it encourages us to do the same we thank you for Timothy and his relationship with Paul. We thank you that Paul just laid everything out flat for Timothy. God, would you help us share like we need to? Would you help us live like we need to? Would you help us carry the story of Jesus into the story of others so that that story could be the best story in their world? In Jesus' name we pray.